Hi folks, welcome to our Jet Tetra podcast, episode 14. I'm Sports Editor Steve Lyons, and I'm here as usual with our sports columnist Mike McIntyre. As usual, lately anyways, I'm sitting in my office here at 1355 Mountain Avenue, and Mike is on his driveway again in his car. Um, for the, um, How's the scenery, Mike? It looks snowy here. Like, yeah, it's just... Oh, it's like enough already with the snow, please. Just, just beautiful, big flakes coming down. I mean, it's been, what, four days since it last snowed around here, so why not? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm told this is going to be very short-lived snow. In fact, by the time... Hopefully, by the time people are listening to this, uh, it'll have uh, melted. But um, yeah, big flakes are coming down right now, and yeah. you got a couple, couple big flakes on the podcast here, right? Yeah, right. Ha ha. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, how are things with you? Uh, uh, of course, we chat regularly. Um, uh, busy day yesterday it was almost like <laughs> we were normal, whatever that's going to be, or whatever that even was. But we had a busy day covering the Jets yesterday with um, the team uh, signing Dylan Sandberg. Um, also, a regular, a scheduled video Zoom conference call with Josh Morrissey. And then they gave us Kevin Chevel payoff as well. Yeah. Uh, excited about uh, how things are going with him. Um, I'm not sure that, I mean, you know, the Sandberg thing was news. I'm not sure it was breaking news or anything. We kind of figured he was going to be signing with the team. And, and um, I guess the team, I guess you still do business there. Um, it's odd to think about the team doing business right now, isn't it, a little bit? Yeah, it really is. And if you're, a, if you're an NHL executive right now uh, who has to worry about all kinds of things, right? Managing the salary cap, the draft, where your team is in the standings, the playoffs. I mean, all of those things right now are in complete disarray. Uh, so it, it, it was interesting. I mean, Kevin Shoveldayoff, even at the best of times, usually doesn't say a whole lot. So I don't think he revealed anything yesterday that would come as, as news or a surprise. But it was interesting to just hear what life is like right now for an NHL executive where you have so many questions and so few answers. And i got to think, Steve, I mean, right now, there's going to be a lot of NHL executives that are absolutely terrified of what the salary cap might look like going forward, uh, especially teams that were already pretty close to the cap and trying to now navigate this this post-COVID-19 world, whatever that's going to look like. Uh, I, I honestly don't see how, how we're going to come through this without teams having to make some significant cuts. I guess from the Jets' perspective in that sense, Maybe Dustin Bufflin really did do this team a big favor uh, because his $8 million is going to be off the books, and the Jets might actually really need that that room. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, all of them are, are going to have difficult making decisions on anything, kind of like the rest of us, really. Uh, it's hard to really plan much um, uh, other than, you know, what I'm going to do today, frankly, and maybe what I'm going to do uh, for the rest of the week, although you and I were chatting today about planning a vacation in May. Um, <laughs> we, we both had vacation plans in May. Um, you were going somewhere and I was going somewhere, but 
Um, we're both going to take a week off anyways in May, and hopefully it won't be snowy, Mike, and I can get out and ride a bike a little bit or something, or maybe enjoy the outdoors a little bit. Presuming we're still allowed to do that by then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I know that the Premier is going to make some more announcements today about some more social distancing measures, and there are places in the world where if people don't start taking these measures seriously, we're going to be, you know, there's going to be some curfews and we're going to have to stay in our house. I sure hope that doesn't happen. But anyway, well, Jeff, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. Did you see the picture circulating on social media last night from Gordon Bell High School in Winnipeg? And there's a sports tie-in with this. It's a large group of young men uh, playing soccer last night in close proximity I mean, that would be all kinds of violations of what they're recommending, right? And people are up in arms. I get that people are stir crazy and, and you know, athletic endeavors are one way to, you know, work out some of that tension or that stress, but this is not the time. Uh, and unfortunately, too many people are still doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a COVID idiot is the, is the, is the term that, are throwing around, and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly in agreement with that term. So I also watched a Zoom um, conference call yesterday with uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman. He was on a lunch hour thing on NBC Sports with Mike Tirico, and uh, Mike was chatting with him about, you know, what the about Bettman's conversation with uh, President Trump over the weekend. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Donald Trump, the President of the United States. Um, in case you didn't know he was the president of the United States, <laughs> hopefully you know that. But then secondly, he had a conference call with uh, 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 sports commissioners over the weekend trying to hopefully encourage them that they could get back playing sometime soon. And I want to chat a little bit about more about that in the second period. But anyways, Batman didn't seem to have, you know, like, like Shevel Day off yesterday, like Josh Morrissey yesterday, like all of us, you know, we just don't know. And so it really is hard for these, these teams to make any plans right now. It is. First off, on that call, Steve, you had uh, Donald Trump, Dana White, and Vince McMahon all on the phone at the same time. Do you think that any of the other commissioners of any of the other leagues got got a word in? With well, the three? I, I, I don't know that they'd want to, frankly, but... Uh, 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 the Batman talk about the call. It, he, I, 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 at one point, I thought he actually was going to roll his eyes, but he didn't. <laughs> they, they could have put that, recorded that call, and like sold it on pay per view. I bet, and you would have had, you would have had an audience. Um, you know, it seems to me, Steve, and and maybe we'll touch on this later too. I, I was talking with Sam Cates, owner of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. And he mentioned the end of April as, as sort of a crucial time. And I know Gary Bettman, uh, I believe on that call yesterday that you listened in on. Yeah. So I don't think anybody's drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, as of April 30th, it's going to be Fisher Cup bait. No pun intended for the gold eyes. But um, I, I think that there's, there's hope that there will at least be some more clarity from public health officials about what a possible resumption of any sports league could start to look like, and maybe it'll take a little more shape. But I do have to think that if you're the NHL or really any league that is supposed to be wrapped up by June, 
um, you'd like to have some clear direction by the end of April. I mean, we're hearing it from a lot of these players, even Josh Morrissey yesterday, the, the not knowing is almost harder than anything right now. And, and so you're trying to train for a, a, a next game that you don't know if and when it's going to be held. Um, so I, I got to think that in a few weeks from now, we are going to have a lot more clarity. Um, no, we won't have flattened the curve, I don't think, as a, as, a, as a world by then, but perhaps we'll have some direction for, for sports leagues. Okay, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jet Centra podcast. Mike, we chatted a little bit about the uncertainty of when leagues and sports, professional sports or any sports, might return uh, to action in, in the first period, and and there's so much uncertainty around it. Now, a lot of I've seen a lot of stories over the last week of a number of different leagues and organizations, um, you know, tossing out different alternative plans to the idea, you know, to to p- potentially have sports uh, played. Um, I saw a story uh, about the National Rugby League uh, looking at different resorts in Australia. I saw a story about the NHL potentially having all of its games in North Dakota. I've seen stories about the NBA having its playoffs on cruise ships and and or Las Vegas. Um, yesterday or the day before, it was reported that Major League Baseball was going to potentially uh, set up camp in Arizona and play all of its games in the multi- the different stadiums that are used in the Arizona area for the Cactus League. And then, of course, you mentioned Dana White in the first period. He's, I think, buying an island or something. <laughs> or or he, he, did he actually get it? And he's going to hold UFC fights on an island. And now, I don't, I'm not, you know, all of these, these ideas sound somewhat absurd, but but the reality is, is that at some point in time, the broadcasters um, of sports, and they're the ones that are paying a lot of money and potentially then losing a lot of money, and sports in general, as you said, is going to lose a lot of money. They're going to have to find a way to put on some sort of competitions um, to try to even generate some sort of television revenue, aren't they? They're going to have to do something if... If, if we can't have, you know, if we can't go back to normal, which it doesn't seem like we're going to go back to normal anytime soon. Well, for sure. And, I mean, even the NBA, I think there was talk a few days ago of, of that there would be, um, they were, they were going to do a made-for-TV sort of horse competition, yeah. which is this, this shooter game where players would do it in their, in their own home gyms or whatever. So it is, uh, it's, it's a time to get creative, for sure. I mean, we've, we talked about that, I think, last week on the podcast, Steve, about how we in sports media have to get creative in terms of what we're covering, what we're writing about. And I would imagine that goes for league executives and broadcasters. And And I think we will see made-for-TV events come back before, um, you know, packed stadiums or arenas. Clearly, that may still be, I mean, I, I'm in the camp of believing that until we get a vaccine, I just can't see how we're, we're going to be allowing large groups of, of spectators to gather. And so we may have to get used to empty venues, empty stadiums, and, and really outside the box things like cruise ships or islands. Um, by the way, you know, Dana White, that, that idea, as somebody pointed out, that's like every 90s 
sort of sci-fi movie where you have like a rich villain who buys an island and then stages prize fighting on the island like Dana White must be loving what what he's coming up with here as as a possible alternative so you know it's yeah I, I do think I mean the idea of Major League Baseball I believe it was ESPN reported a couple of days ago that they would potentially isolate all the teams, all the players, almost create like a biodome where, and they'd be playing in in spring training complexes in Arizona, which there are many, and kind of isolating the league from the outside world, all for television, right? And so maybe that is what it's going to have to come to, because you're right, there's billions of dollars, not, not millions, but billions with a B, when it comes to um, uh, television contracts, and you have very captive audiences right now that are absolutely starving for content, and and you got to think at some point in time those two worlds are going to collide. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see how they they, they, they can't continue to just not play. I, I mean, I guess they could, but I mean, they might as well look for alternative ways to participate, whatever that might look like. Um, as long as they can keep everybody safe, and a lot of this is going to depend on some of the testing that's that's further developed, and so that they can instantly test people and that type of thing. Um, this will not help um, uh, two of the sports teams in town here um, who rely heavily on gate receipts, that being the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes uh, yesterday CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi announced that the CFL would start no earlier than July. Um, that seems like a bit of a uh, stretch. Um, yeah. And, 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 then, and now, as you mentioned, you chatted yesterday with um, Goldeye's owner, Seth Capes, and, 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 uh, and I'm curious to see what he has to say on a number of different uh, subjects. And I mean, I, no, can the CFL afford a loss? Season, um, I mean, I think that they can. I don't know that they're, it would the league would go away. I mean, they would have to lay off a lot of people and not pay a lot of people, um, kind of like a lot of other businesses are doing. I, I don't think it would be much different than that. Would the CFL then come back? I think that any league hypothetically could make a comeback after this because I think people would probably be looking for some sort of um, relief from thinking about uh, COVID-19 for 18 months. Do you know what I mean? And they, yeah. you know, so I think that they could bounce back both those leagues. What, the, what did the former mayor of Winnipeg have to say yeah. today? Yeah, well, it's interesting because he, he was adamant that that the gold eyes and, the, and independent baseball in general, there is no scenario, Sam Cates told me, where they could play in empty venues. At that point, it wouldn't be worth it. No. They need they need fans. They need they need people buying beer and popcorn and paying for parking and and if they don't have that, they have nothing. There is no TV contract. Um, you know, Sam Tate said that he's been in constant touch with with the American Association where the Gold Eyes play. They they've got this sort of Plan B right now, which would be a best case scenario where they they would start at the beginning of July, 
their season, which normally ends at the beginning of September, would run to the end of September. They play a more modified, like, 75 or 80 game schedule. But again, considering they are reliant on fans, and I realize they don't get 30,000 people at Gold Eyes Games, five or 6,000 maybe, but I don't envision any scenario where five or 6,000 people will be allowed to cram together by July 1st. I mean, Brian Pallister, the Premier of Manitoba, earlier today, Wednesday, they just announced that all the Manitoba 150 celebrations that were set for later in the year, celebrating 150 years of the province, are being pushed to 2021, which kind of tells you where their mindset is um, in terms of large gatherings of people. So I I do wonder, Steve, you would know better than I. I mean, can the CFL, could, could they... Do they get enough from TV revenue that an empty stadium season could still be profitable? Well, I mean, the the CFL has always been known as a gate-driven league. I'm not sure that that's 100% accurate these days because the gates, uh, the gate receipts are down in the CFL compared to what they were, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, But, and so they get a significant amount of money from TSN, they're in a partnership really with with TSN, and so I mean TSN is looking for content too, I and mean, they need they need people they need content so people will continue to subscribe to the service. I mean, um, if I had bought a six month package for TSN uh, at a discounted rate, I, I would have canceled myself as well. You know, I stream TSN, so um, I mean maybe um, they come into some sort of agreement where they pay players half of what they were going to pay them and, and they put on some games and they play and see what see what people think. I mean, uh, but then again, I mean, you have a group of people, group of players, um, no American players are going to be allowed up here to gather in large groups and, and you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's the, the logistics of it all seem very difficult, but... Um, and, and then... The, the risk, of course, would be that yeah. you you start up a league or a season and then you have one player who gets sick and that shuts everything down, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, football players, you can't exactly keep your distance in football. <laughs> you can keep your distance a little bit in baseball, right? And, sure. And in that story about baseball, they were talking about how the players were going to sit in the stands at least 60 feet apart. Uh, in between innings, um, but but football is a little diff- more difficult to, to keep your distance. So yeah, well, uh, I mean, a lot of proposals, a lot of uh, scenarios in the air for sure, and uh, you know, it's still no clarity, but uh, maybe getting a little bit closer to it uh, with each passing week here. Folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Setra podcast. Uh, that's normally when we. Uh, talk about things other than the Jets, but frankly, this podcast is is a lot about whatever we feel like talking about lately. Um, uh, we've reserved the third period for uh, a number of different things lately. I got an email from you today. Now, folks, Mike sends me a, an email with suggestions of things that we might talk about in the podcast, and then I write them down, and I add a few of my own, and, and, then, and then we go forward. So, we're not completely unscripted here. We do have some sense of what we're going to talk about. 
So Mike sent me an email this morning, and one of the things for the third period he suggested was we've been talking about the Netflix series Ozark, and he's, his message was he had just completed it, and his comment was awesome. Is that what you said, Mike? I did. Yeah. Uh, we, did you finish season three? I, I have not. Uh, I, oh. I'm, I'm episode seven or eight. I think I watched last night. But I got to tell you, I am so disappointed in this season, Mike. I mean, what? it's feeling so mad. And that's about M-E-H for those at home. Um, I, I'm not sure what happened here. It's been it's been a lot of the same, in my opinion. And I thought this, the lead character in this series was Jason Bateman, the Marty character. Um, yeah. But I have hardly any of it this season. It's been all about Ruth. And, um, and, Wendy, and Wendy, I would say, to a degree. Guy. It's just been... Yeah. I, I, and this Navarro guy and all that. I just, I feel like there's not been enough Marty this year. And so, so far, although I have not seen the last few episodes, so, and please don't say anything. I have been, not spoiled. I've been disappointed. In so, I don't mind less Marty because to me, he's actually the least interesting character of oh, all. He's <laughs> I, to me, the, the whole show to me revolves around Ruth. I absolutely love Ruth. I can't get enough of her character. I think she's one of the more interesting characters in any show uh, that I've ever seen. The actress that plays her is just phenomenal. Um, well, that, uh, Wendy, but Ruth, Ruth, the uh, the foul mouth. Uh, but Wendy's oh, great sure. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and Wendy. I, I, I mean, you you must. They, they brought the brother in this year, right? Wendy's brother, who's bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, he, and he's having a relationship with Ruth and causing all kinds of issues. Uh, I think his performance has been terrific as well. But I just love, what I love most about this show, Steve, is the slow burn to it all. Um, that I just, I watch it and I, I, I feel anxious watching it. There's like a, 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 a feeling in the pit of my stomach as to what's coming next because there's constant anticipation. I think to me, the music. Uh, which is is quite subtle, but it adds so much to the show. Just sets the mood. I mean, the visuals are spectacular as well. I just well, I, I think season the, three. I get the feeling that they're setting up a spinoff with Ruth. Um, that that was the feeling that I got recently, and that there, there, there's going to be another series where she'll spin off on it. But um, I, I I hear what you say. She's a very fascinating character. A little bit. I mean, it's kind of the same old, same old of her a bit. It's yeah. Like the, it's a bit of a stick, and I get that. But anyways, in my opinion, I haven't been happy. And so I'm looking for something new to watch. I haven't been able to find anything. I'm thinking of actually going to Crave and re-watching Ray Donovan, which was, in my opinion, just the best series ever made. I really like Ray Donovan. Um, but aside from that, you got any suggestions for me? And those are well. Yeah, I, I haven't started it yet, but so many people who know I love Ozark have told me to start watching Narcos. Have you, did you ever watch that? I watched the first two. Yeah, I, I have. Yeah, and it's really, really good. Yeah, and so there's a recent season. I think it's season four, I guess, of Narcos. Yeah, yeah, the one in the one that's in Mexico is apparently the the, the most incredible season of the mall. I don't, I don't know about that. The ones that, that were. Uh, 
in Colombia with Pablo Escobar were pretty fascinating. Like the original two sea rings were, were really, really good with the Cali cartel and all that. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought the first two seasons were were really, really good. Yeah. I'm actually contemplating restarting The Wire, which I think is just uh, maybe one of the, the greatest shows ever made. And even The Sopranos. Yeah, I think you're sensing a theme here to what I'm uh, to what I'm interested in. So. Um, I, I may actually restart both those series from the beginning, uh, depending how long we're we're cooped up here. But uh, what else? Yeah, I mean, you still going for your yeah, walk? I am. Yeah, boy, did I, I took the header of all headers headers yesterday, Steve, uh, right into a mud pile. My family is actually they can't stop laughing at me. Uh, I was I was trying to do the social distancing thing. I spotted somebody else coming up the sidewalk towards me. So I did the respectful thing. I, I got off the sidewalk, and where I was walking, there's a big field with that's wet because of all the snow from last week that's melted. There's a ton of mud. But I thought, okay, I'll just step to the side to allow this, this other person to pass, not being within six feet of them. Well, as soon as my feet hit the, the mud in this field, uh, they went out from underneath, and I did a full-blown yard sale into the muddy sort of pool of of yuckiness. Uh, I was practically covered head to toe in mud. I still had like half my walk left, like another half hour. So I had to walk the rest of the way covered in mud. I got as much of it off me as I could. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was a highlight uh, of the day yesterday. Um, have you had any, uh, any any spills? No, I haven't had any spills. Like I'm not really out and about. Um, uh, I don't. I'm not really a walker. Um, I do keep fit. I do it mostly at home. I do a lot of. I've been investigating a lot of Tabata um, routines and doing them at home to try to stay conditioned. And um, um, I've been shopping around trying to find some heavier dumbbells. Like if there's you cannot buy fitness equipment in the city here. Like everything is sold out. Yeah, um, there was a run on fitness equipment as everybody got in. I've been trying to find a forty-five pound dumbbell to do a couple of extra exercises. But um, you know, I would like it if it would stop snowing and maybe I could get out and ride my bike a bit. Um, I'm always interested. Go ahead. Sorry, it's interesting you mentioned a bike because, of course, doing a lot of these Zoom conferences with NHL players, one theme that keeps coming up with how a lot of these guys are staying in shape, Steve, is Peloton bikes. Uh, now, I've never tried a Peloton. I know they're expensive. No surprise, I guess, that NHL guys like Blake Wheeler, Josh Morrissey and the like, they have them. Uh, are Peloton bikes worth it in your eyes? Well, they're a I don't know a lot. I know that they're they are expensive. They're like twenty. I, I was looking at one actually online this morning. There, I think it was twenty five hundred dollars. Um, I don't know. I, I I know that at the gym I go to, Richard Burr Fitness, we got that in. Hey, Richard. Right for that, um, we have what's called these assault bikes that um, you use. They're they're really intense, sort of uh, where you use your arms and your legs to pedal the bike and, and they're super good for conditioning. They're about a grand and the NHL players that go to that gym use them pretty extensively. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not 
I don't know that I want to go and spend that kind of money on that kind of thing right now. I, I can find ways uh, to uh, do conditioning in, in my home. Um, there's lots of really, really good stuff on YouTube to do a lot of really good body weight uh, conditioning uh, exercises and stuff like that. But but having said that, I guess if I was making $6 million a year, I'd probably buy one of those things. <laughs> Well, I've got good news for you, Steve. If this snow keeps coming down, you'll be able to get a good workout in later today, shoveling it. I'm going to let it melt. I'm not shoveling again. That's it. Okay, folks, we're back for our overtime period of our Jet Centra podcast. Mike, um, uh, one thing I have been doing in my spare time, other than uh, trying to find something on Netflix and searching YouTube for Tabata routines, uh, is uh, Tabata, Tabata. Man, i got to get that word down. Anyways, uh, I, I find myself reading about the pandemic a lot. Um, uh, of course, I read the free press for our uh, local coverage. And if any of our readers want to subscribe to a newsletter, our editor, Paul Simin, and our the rest of our staff are doing a daily newsletter that goes out that has all of the information you'd want to know about uh, locally, nationally, internationally. It's just an amazing newsletter. By the way, I put out a newsletter every day too. It's called Flight Club. If you go to our site, you can find either one of those newsletters. There's my plug. Um, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I find myself uh, reading the New York Times and uh, I read the Toronto Star. I don't know whether it's a good thing to be reading all of this information. Sometimes I find myself anxious, you know, when I'm reading it because of the grittiness of some of the reports. Other times yeah. I find myself um, you know, soothed by the reports. Um, I guess being a newspaper guy, I'm probably going to read the information anyways. I do have friends that are not reading anything. They don't want to know anything other than the fact that they got to stay in their basement type of thing. Uh, how are you? Uh, what's your plan of attack on this, Mike? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think most of us who work in journalism, Steve, we're naturally curious types, so we, we definitely uh, want to seek uh, as, as much information as we can educate ourselves but you're right it can be overwhelming it can be a little grim at times but i think there's also there are some some bright lights or you know reason for optimism i guess when you read about what's happened maybe in places where uh, they were hit really hard earlier than us here in north america and some of the ways they've been able to uh to battle through it and yeah, I mean, I, I still try and seek out as many distractions as I can. I've, I've, uh, I've fallen in love with playing uh, Scrabble uh, with a bunch of friends online. Um, I know a group of friends, Steve, as well, they're getting together for regular poker games now through a website where you can sort of have a private poker room. They're just playing for fun, all kinds of trash talking, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, getting outside obviously is, is key. I think for anybody, just if, if you can avoid that cooped up feeling that, that maybe comes, uh, unfortunately, I mean, imagine if this had hit us like in November going into the start of a long winter where it gets dark at four o'clock every day, I guess in that sense, the timing of all this, um, if it was going to happen better to happen this time of year than say a few months ago. Well, well there, there, there's a nice silver lining, Mike. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, always looking for the silver lining for sure. Um, hey, quick silver lining for quick silver lining for Jets fans. This is interesting. Frank Saravelli, uh, 
floated out a, a proposal online today of, of if they jumped right into the playoffs in the NHL and no more regular season, a scenario where they would actually, because everybody had played different amount of games, you would actually cut everybody at 68. Everybody had played at least 68 games. And he said that there's a, there is some popularity. Rather than look at just your first 68 games, look at your last 68 games. In the case of the Jets, they had played 71. They went one and two in their first three. And that could be the difference, according to Frank Saravelli's sort of grid. The Jets would actually be a playoff team if you count the last 68 games. They would not um, if you count the first 68 games. So there, more more sliver of optimism for people. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm in the camp that does not believe that there's going to be playoffs this year, but we'll see how. All right, Michael, I guess we should uh, let these people go. We should let Jen get back to what she was doing. Uh, thanks again to, uh, to uh, her for helping us with this. And, and you all take care out there, folks. And please, please, please uh, help us all out with these social distancing guidelines that the, the government has put in place. And, Mike, uh, we'll uh, chat again next Wednesday, eh? You bet. Take care. Be safe, everybody. Thank you.